0: I love scotch. 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 Yep. Have another whiskey. If you'd like to speak to me in person, press one. If you'd like to order drugs, press hash.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: I had a gentleman in the crowd that was like, "Tell me how to drink Glenfiddich," and I was like, "I will not do that. Yep. You drink Glenfiddich how you want
0: to drink Glenfiddich." Wear a cowboy hat in Los Angeles and look at the amount of looks you get. Yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. Ooh. This is the most flamboyant city on earth. You wear a cowboy hat look at you like you were yep. like an alien. The Beatles came on and they like, picked me up on his shoulder. George Harrison is as close to me as that yep. wall now. I went, all right, George, all right. And he went, cough. <laughs> and that was the closest <laughs> I ever came to the Beatles. We have a whiskey while we... Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Cheers. Cheers.
0: cheers. 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 Yep. Welcome back to United States of Dramerica. We're on tour this week in London. And I'm delighted to be uh, with a gentleman called Tom Otley, uh, who is the editor of Business Traveller magazine. So uh, thank you for letting me come to your offices, Tom.
1: Thank you very much for joining us here in a basement in Mayfair.
0: Fantastic! Um, it's a good place to have a basement, is Mayfair. Yeah,
1: it is. It's uh, very convenient for bars, restaurants, and also so uh, we can uh, go and talk to airlines and clients around the uh, the
0: capital. I read Business Traveler magazine because I travel so much and I am Thank a traveller for business. Um, and I've I've known about the magazine for a long time. Um, Give us the the quick elevator pitch for those who aren't lucky enough to have read your publication in I, the past. I, we've been
1: around since 1977, oh. um, so uh, what 42 years? Uh, we're in print in about 13 or 14 different territories. So we've got the UK edition, Asia Pacific, Middle East, uh, America, Russia. Um, I won't keep going because I'll forget the ones that are important. You know, Hungary, Denmark, um, Africa. So we've got lots of different editions in different languages. Um, and the idea of the magazine is that you can subscribe to it, either in print or digitally, um, or you can just look at the website. I'm fine with that too, because we've got adverts on the, the website. And we try and help people with their travels. So we try and give them uh, stuff that's interesting, it might save them money, certainly uh, tips, that sort of thing when it, they, they do um, frequent travel. Um, and also uh, we've got a big leisure section.
0: Yeah, and I know that, um, well, so uh, a very good friend of mine, in fact, but the best man at my wedding is is somebody who's worked for you for quite a while now. Marvellous man, Mark here. Yeah, and, and I remember he'd, he I was a journalist in my first career, and I remember Mark said, oh, like, I want to be a journalist like you, except he managed to do it very differently because I was the, I was a transfer reporter for a local paper and I covered, bus crashes right, yeah. um, and Mark will happily tell me oh yeah I'm going to Australia because there's a new type of seat on a new aircraft That's and I'm right. going to stay in this amazing hotel yeah. um it's quite, if you're going to do journalism, business travel journalism feels like a good place to be doing it. It is.
1: I mean, the, the. I mean, obviously there's more to it than doing reviews and it's more than flying just business class and first class. One of the things that um, perhaps people get confused about is that if someone's flying on business, they're not necessarily flying in business class. So we do review all the economy um, cabins and the premium economy as it started coming in over the last sort of 15, 20 years. But yeah, there is business class flights and first class and some of the hotels are, you know i stay in hub by premier inn which is a fantastic choice if you're in london but right the way through to yeah i've been lucky enough to stay in the four seasons and the ritz carlton's and the mandarin yeah. oriental so but you know there's a plus side to it i think part of the job as journalists is to explain the travel industry to frequent travelers because there's a lot of uh, misconceptions i think people when they travel a lot tend to assume certain things about these companies that sometimes isn't true so it's nice to be able to explain those things to them as well
0: yeah because I know that you know you do interviews with airline and hotel we've got very good
1: access so we've met the chief executives I have you know probably the last three or four for all the major hotels all the major airlines Um, so we've got very good access Uh, they trust us to tell their stories and then we uh, you know make sure we uh, write something of relevance to
0: the reader yeah I I think the reason I gave the examples I did is Mark doesn't bother telling me when he's flying economy on an airline I've never heard of he just likes to show off. well it's
1: funny there was a thing that is, since social media came about and people could do this check-in thing uh, they've noticed that people only tend to check into business class and first class lounges not just the gate area of an airport or yeah. just being at home so yeah people do there's hundreds of ways of firsting
0: right i'm sure that's right so i mean 42 years is a long time yes um, i have not been here for the whole of those 42 years but the obviously the beginning of that time, the internet hadn't been invented. Definitely, social media, the quality of hotels and airlines has changed. Yeah. What, what are the biggest changes in the industry that you've you've seen over that time in relation to how you run a magazine around it? Um, I mean,
1: everything has changed in journalism. I think uh, most people would know that without me sort of saying how the internet has disrupted it. It's disrupted the travel industry, but it's disrupted um, media companies uh, far more destructively. Um, they call it creative destruction, but it hasn't been creative, particularly for most uh, journalists, most titles. Um, we're lucky, um, I guess, because we're in a niche that the big boys haven't really looked at Um but you know, it's it's been a constant struggle to survive. I'm, I mean, I'm happy to say that we have survived, and we're actually doing quite well at the moment. But we've done we've diversified. We have business traveler events. We have, um, you know, we do research for people. Uh, so there's a there's a and we've diversified the portfolio by having magazines that aren't just pure uh, business travel titles. But it's been a, a very tough time. And you know, I think it's a shame because you know people if they do want quality content, are gonna to have to pay for it. Um, and obviously I'd say that about our magazine, but I'd say it about newspapers, I'd say it about the internet. Um, if it's free, you know, you're the product. And uh, a lot of the time people have no idea of what they're reading and whether it's true or not. So it, you know, it's, it's a very difficult, I hope we're getting towards the end of this period of disruption. And there is some sign that people are accepting that they have to pay for content. So, you know, you, New York Times, the Times, of London, the Financial Times, some newspapers are doing well, but many newspapers are you know not doing well and particularly in the states. obviously local papers, by which I mean you know ones that served you know tens of millions of people before are in uh, desperate straits. Absolutely. So you know I really do hope things were coming to the end of that, but I'd
0: be a bit of an optimist to say. It. How close have you got over the years to to giving up because the model just wasn't working before you made strategic decisions that changed that?
1: Um, well, I mean, we were losing. You know, an awful lot of money at certain points um, but we did have a plan always of what we were going to do uh, we always stuck with the journalists so we, we never really cut back on the amount of journalism either freelance journalists who are experts or employed journalists um, I think the other thing is that um, we just really did believe that there was this niche here um, people joke about with it being business travel that you're a captive audience so therefore if it's in the back of the seat uh, we're not in the back of many seats but we are on board quite a few of the major airlines and we're in a lot of lounges so um, and it's a it's an affluent audience which always helps i mean if you want to survive with uh, advertising which still is the, the model for print you've got to convince the advertiser that you've got the right audience and um, people who fly a lot on business do tend to earn more than the average which makes them worth advertising for and how
0: do you manage with adverts from the airlines and hotels while doing reviews?
1: Well I mean it's completely independent. Um, yep. the, the advertise we've got an advertising team who sell advertising, we've got editorial staff who, who write editorial. That's always been the case. Um yeah, so I mean it, you can't win. I mean it, you know if you're gonna say there's no link, everyone says well he would say that. Um you know I've I've had things where I once did a it was a complimentary review review of American Airlines and someone wrote and said, Well, you know, you only did it complimentary because they advertise with you. And I said, well, they don't advertise with us. And he said, well, you want them to. So you can't win. You know, no. it's, it's, it's always going to happen. Um, it's clear that airlines and hotels, amongst others, I mean, we have, we have you know, wine advertisers, we have uh, watch advertisers, we have car advertisers, we have technology advertisers, but it's clear that airline and hotels will want to advertise with us because we're going to frequent travellers. You know, it's going yeah. into their hands. That's the proposition. So, yeah, there'll always be that link. But, um, I mean, that's where you come back to the journalism part of things, which is, you know, the people that we employ are paid journalists. They're not copywriters. Um, and they wouldn't go into journalism and then decide to be copywriters. And if they were copywriters, they get paid more than we pay them. Yeah. Um, so, you know, they're not – journalism isn't very well paid, but they do it because they, they love it and they wouldn't do it, you know – just to prostitute, whatever they were doing.
0: So, um, so we decided uh, to go today for... We, we, are, we are late afternoon, so um, we didn't want to go too strong. So we've gone for some uh, Glenlivet Distillers Reserve. Um, so a nice yeah, afternoon triple. Cheers. Cheers, thank you very much. Now, when I approached you to come on the podcast, um, obviously... Whiskey was mentioned. Mm. You like a whiskey, don't you?
1: Yes, very much. Yeah. I mean, not normally at half past four in the afternoon, but.
0: Are you telling that to your advertisers and your staff? Absolutely. This, yeah?
1: this is not a normal occurrence. Although I did do—I um, was—it's not re- appeared yet, but I did um, a piece for Heathrow's busiest airport, which is a big TV program um, factual. What do you call it? Fact documentary, anyway. <laughs> um, over here in the UK, which now I think won't run until 2020, but part of that was looking at the Air Canada lounge, and they were desperate. me to have a drink of the they have uh, I think it's Molson on tap Um, so I had to keep drinking this and that was eight o'clock in the morning so that's the earliest I've actually drank alcohol I think but um,
0: yeah so if you were to go to Munich airport everybody is drinking beer at seven or eight o'clock in the morning I don't know if
1: everyone was (laughs) no just just the
0: just the locals Um, actually so on that note So on one of the earlier editions of the podcast, we spoke to a whiskey ambassador about how she manages her health in a world where she spends all her time drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, As a traveller, I think a big issue is staying healthy. So a combination of jet lag, free booze in the lounge and on the planes, airport food, time differences, lack of access to the gym, all that stuff. It can be quite an unhealthy pursuit. So how do you cope with all of that stuff?
1: Well I mean I I do all the things that I imagine people listening would would think you'd do. I mean funnily enough it's a topic that we address in nearly every issue of the magazine. Um, And is that only recent? Because 15
0: years ago did people care about
1: it? No maybe not 15, 20 years ago. 25 years ago we had pieces about you know how to deal with your sexually transmitted diseases when coming back from a trip. Right. Um, so it was a different era, <laughs> yes. but But um, and you know who were the most attractive air hostesses? At oh, really? Record? Well, now of course it's all flight attendants, and I don't think we'd write that article. No. But um no, and in nearly every issue we have something on health. So we have just done. The Did you? Re- bag- was
0: there really an article about the most oh, yeah, attractive? Yeah. Oh.
1: If I showed you some of the um, the stuff for the earlier, ad- we've got a full archive going back to 1977 and. I mean, even in the 80s and 90s, you wouldn't believe the things that were in the magazine. Yeah. But,
0: uh, Although, I mean, any that won't be exclusive to Business Traveller, no, uh, every no, no. publication. Yeah. Somebody showed, a f- a f- I think uh, there was something going around Twitter the other day, the christmas party for a now premiership football team from the 80s and all the players were wearing blackface yeah and obviously at the time yeah nobody seemed to mind it was a different
1: a different world but the, i mean we didn't do that much health maybe 15 years ago but certainly for the last 15 years and and in uh, recent issues we've done how to deal with jet lag which you'd expect how to avoid dvt uh, yeah so deep vein thrombosis on flights we've done things on stress we've done things on curb your drinking. Um, whether there's, on the proactive side, um, how to stay healthy, how to stay fit, you know, we've done things about, we we regularly do things on them, running around cities and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a reflection of what the readers want to read, and we do give them that advice. Having said that, if I do sit in a business class lounge, I'm aware of the fact that I'm surrounded by a lot of tired, uh, unhealthy looking, predominantly men, still, Mm. I'm afraid, who are, you know, going off, say, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon or a Sunday evening for another week away from home. Um, and there's great perks. Yeah, you can go drinking you have to, or maybe you have to go drinking with uh, colleagues or salespeople or, or you're the salesperson. But of course, it does, uh, you know, it does it does add up. So I think, you know, people have different ways of dealing with it and some people deal with it better than others. But it's kind of like jet lag, you know, you either deal with jet lag as in cope with it or you find something else to do. Um, Because if it really kills you, you know, if jet lag really ruins your life and it takes you weeks to get over and you're always travelling, something has to give. Yeah. Um, And I I think people just say, well, look, you know, there's other things I can do. Um, Yes, I love the travel, but I couldn't do it for more than two or three years, while some people are still travelling after 30 years. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Are you a healthy traveller yourself? Yeah, I
1: think so. Yeah, but I mean, I've had
0: my moments. Yeah. And presumably, because when you're doing a review, if there's a fantastic new menu that's come with yeah. the new class or they're particularly proud of a cognac that they're now serving after dinner, yeah. you can't really write about it if you don't have it.
1: Absolutely. And that's uh, always been my reason for partaking. The only thing that's changed is that I've started doing video reviews as well for YouTube, which people can see if they go to YouTube and look for Business Traveller TV. And as someone pointed out to me, they really enjoyed the review of whichever airline it was. But you could tell as the flight went on just how much I'd had to drink because I was becoming you know more confident more pally (laughs) slightly more slurred Um, and of course that's the sort of thing that you've got to be aware of so just like with um, well like this broadcast I suppose you can get away with it in print because you know okay the quality of your writing might go down but you can always edit it later you're not sending it off the moment you land Um, but with TV or a video in this case, uh, you know, you can't lie to the camera. No, and there's times where I flew Singapore Airlines in first class, the new first class on the A380, and I mean they've got, you know, really, really good champagnes, and not just one, several of them. So yes, of course, I thought, you know, I'm never going to get a chance to to taste these normally. So you, even if you just have half a glass of each one, it does add up. But yeah. um, it's a high class problem to have.
0: Yeah, no, it absolutely is, and authenticity is important in uh, Yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm on the
1: flight, I'm trying it out, and you know, in the end. There's more to a decent flight than the food and the wine that they serve, yeah. but, but you do have to try it. Yeah.
0: So what is the best flight that you have been on? Who's, who's offering the best product at well, the Well, that's moment? a
1: difficult one because, and this is going to sound like I'm hedging every which way, but it really does depend on what you value. So, for instance, people are always saying, which is the best business class currently? Hmm. You know, what's, and I say, well, what do you mean? Is, do you mean the best seat? Do you mean the best overall experience? If it's experience, are we including the ground, as in the lounges? Yes, yeah, yeah. or the pick up Yes, so yep. something like Virgin can pick you up in a car, or Emirates picks you up in a car, chauffeur-driven car, drives you to a wonderful lounge. You sit there, you get on board, then you've got the business class, then you've got... It's, it's almost impossible. I mean, to be specific, someone like Emirates, yes, they've got the chauffeur drive if you buy the most expensive tickets. Yes, they've got a good lounge. Their business class on board isn't the best business class in terms of seat, but the service is good. And then if I went to Virgin, it would be something else, and BA, it would be something else. So, you know, without saying I can't say, um, it really would depend.
0: No, I think that's true. I mean, I think, for me, when we were posted to Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. um, with, in my diplomatic role, the flight was with Virgin, so we got the pickup. And when you're leaving the country for you know a few years Mm -hmm. and you've got young kids pick up solves all sorts of problems we didn't have a car anymore and all that stuff but actually and the flight was fine and it was full of celebs which is what you want on your first flight to LA but the layout of the seats Mm -hmm. in Virgin didn't really work when you got uh, yeah in upper class didn't work very well with a young kid because they're just lined up and the kid at the time was two years old When we had two kids, BA business class, mm-hmm. with a weird seating arrangement yeah, a lot y- of people yeah, don't well, like.
1: Yeah, they face one another. and uh, backwards. Now, when,
0: when you fly as a family of four and you've got two kids and you can trap your kids in the middle, yeah. it's perfect. Yeah. If you're flying your own and you're on this weird diagonal with a stranger um, and you're never quite sure how to talk to them or mm-hmm. not, it's, it's completely yeah, I mean, different. So you're absolutely right. I
1: mean, many readers won't have seen the – but business class in BA is famously eight across where – you know, more modern business classes are only four across, And and how they work that out is, you know, across the, the width of the aircraft. So BA shares with AA, American Airlines, coming across to places like LA. And the last time I flew to LA, I was on BA, there and back. Um, and when I flew on the way back, I would got a window seat, which meant the person on the aisle was facing forwards, I was facing backwards, but we were also facing each other, as you know, through that, looking at each other, almost face to face, closer than we are now, so only a few feet. And I remember this guy, was an American guy, and I won't try and do an American accent, but um, he just looked at me and he said, what the hell is this? Yeah. And I said, well, it's, you know, it's, he said, what is it, seven across? I said, no, it's eight across. Eight across? And he'd come up, obviously he'd flown the other way with American, which is one, two, one, rather than two, four, two. And um, And he immediately got on the phone to his secretary and said, get me off this thing, you know. Uh, So I was saying, you know, what do you do? And he said, well, I I won't say which movie studio, but he worked for a movie studio who's a producer or management. And I said, well, if you work for a studio like that, you know, you should be flying private. And he said, private? I'm a minnow. That's why I'm on this thing. But he was determined not to have that seat. So those kind of reviews that we offer the advice on, you know, if you say to someone 242 or 121, if you explain the background and explain what each particular seat is... And the price is similar. Yeah, you're getting a very different product. So, yes, it would suit you if you had a young family. Although, funnily enough, we always have these huge debates about whether babies or young children should be allowed in. Yeah, it's oh, a cracking class. one, isn't and, it? Uh, that you know that kind of breaks the web whenever that comes up on a forum because yeah. you've got people like you who say, look, I bought the ticket. Yeah, and the kids are as behaved as you'd expect a two-year-old to be, um, and then you get other people saying, I didn't pay five thousand pounds for a return ticket to listen to your kid. Yeah, you know, yelling yeah. in the middle of oh, the night.
0: We had we had a lady on our flight to LA when we were moving out there, our son was two. We got on the plane, there was a lady who looked like she'd had a bit of work done mm. and I heard her whispering in a very unwispery voice to the stewardess sorry, uh, flight attendant. Yeah, exactly, saying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um uh, you know well, I think she started off like trying to get us moved and then asked to try and be moved. Yeah. Um and obviously, it was a full flight, so that was that. And I guess our, our boy was broadly well behaved, yeah. but she obviously didn't want to have to share. No, absolutely.
1: Um, but you see, I did a, a video review on—I won't say which airline—but I did a video review as flying over to the states recently, and there were two children on there. Um, you know, and I think uh, how can I put this in a flyway? I think they—you know—they must have been—they must be on the spectrum have a condition of yeah. some sort. So, you know, hats off to the parents. Um, for, for dealing with it as well as they did. But these kids screamed for at least four of the eight hours so loudly that even though I was on the other side of the cabin, I couldn't actually do a video review. Which, bearing in mind, in a video review, the microphone is on my lapel, yeah. so that the distance between my voice and the lapel mic is like six inches. It was so loud, and they Ooh. were on the other side of the cabin, so you can imagine what the people mm. around them felt. Um, but they bought the tickets, um, yeah, the kids were. I wouldn't say they're badly behaved, I and mean, like I say, I don't think kids you know yell and scream like that unless you know there's something there. But uh, you know, difficult situation for everyone, but and, so- and the flight attendants couldn't handle it because what can they do? Yeah, you can't I- kick someone
0: off a flight. No, well, and also I think not that, so. I'm not sure how well this has been solved. But also the the overweight fellow passenger in economy yeah, problem yeah, yeah, yeah. presumably is another one that. Blows up your forum. Absolutely. Because we have had different.
1: um Because i, I you know, you'll have seen those wire cages that they have by check-in, and if your check-in bag doesn't fit in the wire cage, uh, you know the kind of contraption, then you're supposed to check it in, and they, you know they're quite um, strictly enforced. Well, the suggestion was that they ought to have a seat there, and if someone <laughs> wow. couldn't fit their behind in it, then they had to buy two seats. Um, the other thing is whether they could walk through a cardboard cutout, you know, of a certain particular sort yeah. of average size. But it's, it's a, you know, it's an unfortunate, and a, you know, I'm not in any way fat shaming, but it does, you know, if, if you're sitting in economy and you see someone who's big, not necessarily fat, necessarily, I mean, if it could be six foot uh, five with massive shoulders. Yeah. You know, you do think to yourself, "My goodness, I hope they're not sitting next to me," because the sad fact is that while in business class. Um, we now have fully flat beds on most of the major airlines and you've got more room than ever Um, that has come at the expense of economy uh, where they fit more and more seats in Um, so it's now 10 across in economy and a triple seven weight was always traditionally nine across Um, so there isn't much room and if you're with some, and people have got bigger, so it's kind of that weird mm. thing where they've made the seats smaller, and, and we are all bigger. I mean, you're a big man yourself, tall. I mean, yeah, so you would always want an extra legroom seat, but there's only so many extra legroom seats in in economy, and you have to pay extra for them as well.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the thing I, I I travel a lot. You know, I fly nearly every week, and obviously living in America, when you travel, it means flying, it's yeah. not trains and cars, and. The more you travel, the more this stuff matters, which is why publications yeah. like yours need to exist because people don't necessarily... If you're doing one family trip, you know it's, it is it is what it is. But when you're flying every week yeah. and or you're important or you've got to go straight into meetings, yeah. people take this stuff incredibly seriously, don't Yeah,
1: I mean, it's the sleep thing. I mean, the most important thing about the business class reviews and also premium economy is we show people the seat, we show whether it's got nice in-flight entertainment, which you call the IFE, um, we show whether it's got Wi-Fi on board now, but the most important thing and the question that everyone wants to know is how comfortable is it for sleeping? Yeah. And then they think, okay, well, I'm Tom's about six foot, I'm six three. Will you know how will it work out? So when I do a review, you know, we always do a day flight review on the way there, and I film it now, and I you know do big thing. But then within that review, I always make the written review in the magazine and online, which. You don't have to pay to read, so by all means, go on and have a look. Same for YouTube. Um, I always make a point of saying what it was like to sleep in, because the only way you can really test one of these seats, premium economy, maybe even economy, but premium economy, business or first, is sleep in the thing. Yeah. And you know, it's kind of the princess and the pea. The moment that it doesn't suit you, you're like, this is all very well, and the the flight attendants have smiled at me, and it's got lovely champagne. But I can't sleep, yeah. and that's what you're paying four or five thousand pounds in many cases for. Or your company is—you yeah. um, have to get off at the other end. If it's, a say, coming back from the US, you know, it's an overnight flight typically. You have to get off and perform. You have to get into the lounge, maybe have a shower, and then go straight to work—either your work or a sales meeting—to mm. um, make the most of your time. And I think everyone knows, even if they were asleep in are trying to sleep in their own bed, if the pressure's on for tomorrow morning, you've got a big presentation, you've got a big sales meeting. Um and you can't sleep in your own bed, it upsets you. But imagine what it's like when you're flying overnight without added stress yeah. and then it's uncomfortable, or there's a screaming baby, or the flight attendants chat in the galley. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, all that I, had, I had that on my flight over this time. Right. Um there was a very clumsy man putting things away yeah. when we were it was it was a one of the annoyingly short flights. So I yeah, changed in Minneapolis. Oh, right, yeah. Um and there wasn't a lot of sleep time, mm. and he was clattering away the trays, yeah. and I, I almost went to complain, and then I remembered them. I was British, yeah. so I didn't.
1: Yeah, he just like fumed quietly. <laughs> yeah, and, and now I'm telling you instead yeah, exactly. of telling him. Yeah, classic uh, aggression. Uh, yeah. So
0: actually, so one of the things that sits beneath your magazine, am I, do you seat plans? Is yeah, that, we used to. We used ah. to. I mean,
1: to be honest, um, seat plans was because we were always uh, providing the maps just so we could because exp- you, you have to spend. Like when I was trying then to explain what the British Airways configuration was like, contrasted with American Airlines in a magazine, it's obviously far, you know, or even in a video review, it's far easier to show someone a diagram and they get it immediately. So we used to put um, seat maps in all of our reviews. The main reason was because they weren't online, because yeah. the airlines didn't have them online, so we got them drawn up. Um, since then, most airlines do have them online, and you've also always had, well, always last ten, twelve years, Seat Guru. So between the two of them, it just isn't worthwhile. So we did have a separate website called Seat Plans. We ran it for five or six years, it it, it was fine, it didn't make any money, it didn't lose any money, but in the end it was a distraction. So now what we do is we, um, on the online reviews, we direct people to the website, because on Air France or British, nearly all um, airlines will show you a seat map. And of course, the reason they show you a seat map is they want to sell you a seat. Mm. I mean, literally, in British Airways, famously, if you pay five or six thousand pounds for business class, you still have to pay for seat selection unless you are silver or gold card yeah. you know, and, and have got um, some status with the airline. So, and, and at least once a month, I get an email from someone who said, I just can't believe this. And I go, well, you know, that's what it is. Yeah, no,
0: <laughs> indeed. And I think when I first heard of the sort of seat plan type yeah. situation, who cares that much mm. yeah. until I started flying as much as I do. And now if I'm flying on an unfamiliar route, yeah. Um, I will have a look and I'll see that, you know, because I mean, obviously seats near the toilet and yeah. all that are, you all want to avoid, things. but there's some unobvious stuff yeah, as and well. And also,
1: I mean, you know, in economy, it's very clear. I mean, you don't want to be in one of the middle seats, generally. Um, if you're in a window seat, that's lovely. You can look out the window and you don't get disturbed. But if you've got weak bladder or you're going to drink a lot, yeah. And it, drinking a lot is advised by, I mean, water. I mean, um, it's advised yeah. by people that, you know, you should. So you And you're supposed to walk around, so maybe an aisle's better. But then if you fall asleep and someone wants to get out, they're going to have to wake you up. So yeah. you, you make your choice. Um, in business class, strangely enough, um, while you'd think all seats are great, and they are because you're lucky enough to be in business class, just this, I flew Air France's new business class on the A350 just last week to Toronto. And um, nearly every business class seat in that configuration is different. And I won't bore the listener by explaining why. But if they if they're really interested, or maybe they know already, if you, it's um it's like the United seat, the Polaris seat, um that they're, they're um staggered, and some are close to the window, some are on the aisle. They have different leg room, as in the space where you put your feet. Um, and for the center seats, if you're with a wife or a partner or a friend, some are right next to each other, so you can have a chat easily. Some are so far apart you can't have a chat. Yeah. So it's nearly brilliant. every seat is different. So yeah, I mean, absolutely, and that's. That's something we address in our reviews, even without the, you know, the seat map uh, option.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about alcohol. Yes. Um, again. Yeah, um, I so just drinking it. Uh, seller in the sky. Cellars. Mm.
1: Um, Sorry, excuse me. Cellars in the
0: sky. So that's your sort of competition for which airline serves the best wine?
1: Absolutely. So it started in 1985, um, and the idea is that we, uh, well, broadly, you know, it's one of those questions: who serves the best wine in the sky? And they always think business class first class they must serve fantastic champagne and they do. Um, So who serves the best? Um, So each year um, we ask the airlines to send us in uh, two white wines, two red wines, uh, this year for the first time a rosé, sparkling and a sticky stroke port, you know dessert wine, both for business and first if they've got a first. I mean obviously many airlines haven't and I think this year we're just Um, as you probably saw from the boxes in the office we've got I think 35 or 38 airlines who've entered Um, all the major airlines enter Um, and then we not we it would have been lovely if it was us but um, we have four masters of wine or sommeliers but I think three of them are masters of wine um, who do a two-day tasting of these wines in different ways but the point is it's double blind so uh, each wine they don't know what it is because it's got a cover over it and they also don't know what airline it's from so it's yeah. double blind in that sense and that goes and then they decide which ones are best and then they go through to a final and then they they mark them and over the past I mean it's been running since 1985 so I think we've had 33 years because it goes one year behind because obviously they have to have serve the wine so in those 33 years there's barely an airline that hasn't done well one mm. year or the next year and it it really does depend on on what they're serving um, I mean there's an element of luck because the wine has to produce well when it's um, being tasted um, but uh, yeah it's a fascinating thing and we never ever know who's going to win you, there's some that you always think well they must do well but sometimes they don't so.
0: so why not why is there no whiskey in that
1: it's a difficult one that I mean the some of the wine experts can taste whiskey but as you know um, there are whiskey experts <coughs> pardon me so we probably have to get a separate thing for that.
0: Yeah, that's There's, fine. I can do that. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, <laughs> the
1: other thing is there actually aren't that many whiskies served up there in the sky, unbelievably, um, and they yeah. tend to come from the big producers. And they aren't like you. You brought something a little, you know, um, interesting here. This Glenn gl- do we mention that Yeah, yeah, gl-
0: yeah we, we mentioned yeah.
1: this. This one is obviously not widely. It's not you know your bog standard. I think a lot of them are actually quite bog standard. Yeah, no, maybe twelve year old, but. But they're um, unlovely to drink in. Uh, but it's very difficult to judge. And also, I mean, you get this problem with the wine, champagnes anyway. But if you have a Glenlivet, which is the 12-year-old standard Glenlivet, and it's on six airlines, how do we judge it? Yeah, 'cause you know, we're not going to make them taste it six times. We're only going to put that bottle forward once because it needs to be judged so so they judge it where it was for second third so There's better. not there's not enough There isn't diversity. enough variety. No. Obviously there is enough variety in the whiskey world, but there's not enough variety in the whiskey world or the cognac world or the, no. And they serve some nice cognacs up there and, and gin as well, I guess. Yeah. But um it's very difficult for them to judge it.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's right. And I when I I have a don't drink on planes or right. in lounges rule just okay. because You know, alcohol is not good for you when you're flying because of dehydration and so on. And I have plenty of other opportunities Mm. to drink. But I always look at the list and I've been known to take pictures and put it on social related to the podcast. And you do get some pretty decent once you're the right end of the plane, you get some different whiskies. But yeah, I think you're right, there's not enough to justify it. I mean maybe one year just run it as a sort of as a as a dummy contest to see what the whiskies would be like and I can judge it and tell you whether it's worth having a full competition.
1: We've got 39 different sets of menus out there, so you can have a look through with your expert (laughs) eye. But um, we do actually have a separate award for the best wine menu, and that literally is the presentation and the information that they give about the wines. Because some just like literally list the year, and you know, and it might be a very nice wine. Other airlines see it as a way of marketing themselves or marketing their country, so Air New Zealand. Um, has won and Qantas uh, for for australia has won because they see it as part of their destination part yeah. of their who they are and who the destination is so they have a lot of you know information about the wines they serve which obviously in those cases are from uh, from new zealand and from um australia so we, we have that as well but so you'd see information about what wines and cognacs and, and uh, whatever else was in there but
0: yeah so moving away from alcohol um yes. letters so i think in my past i've got involved in i think i've probably submitted letters have mm-hmm. definitely had threads on the forum yeah. and so on um you've said that uh, overweight passengers and screaming children in business, in business part, yeah. are some of the most contentious yeah. anything else that comes up as a sets the world alight
1: well do you know you never know what's going to get people going I mean I think one of the biggest ones we had I mean, This maybe it's a sad reflection of some of the readers but one of the biggest uh, threads we had was Lufthansa last year redid their livery, reimagined the livery, okay. which is how they paint their planes um and what logo they had on the tail fin and they painted it and you can argue about what sort of blue it was, well, people did argue about what sort of blue it was, <laughs> and they did argue about the yellow of the you know the insignia on the plane and i mean we I think we ran a spread, and that was a highly selective selection of the comments that we had so it ranges from that right the way through to can anyone recommend you know a really good place to spend twelve hours in a city, um, yeah. and then everyone will chip in. and And I think one of the marvelous things about the forum. I mean, a lot of the internet is a sewer, but our forum.
0: I'm glad you said that because yeah. it, it you know really it is.
1: really is. It is awful, um, but we're lucky on the forum. We've had ups and downs with it, but um, generally. And I've always said this, you know, when I'm kind of deleting threads or or telling people to stop. It's supposed to be about business travel. So we don't talk about politics, we don't talk about foreign policy, all of which affects travel. Yeah. Um, but we don't talk about any of those things. We focus on business travel or travel uh, in general. And people will come on there with questions and get genuinely um, informed very quickly. Um, I mean, even the most random questions um, sometimes get answered. Someone will say, well, I'm you know flying this particular African or Asian airline, I've never heard of it, can anyone tell me is it safe to fly with or you know, is there anything I should know? And, and people will just give up the time to sometimes, because they're silent watchers on the forum, take the trouble I can tell to register on the website or log in and create a profile and then answer that question. Most of it's anonymous, mm. um, which can be a problem with other forums, but for us it's just so, obviously we have a lot of people who work for airlines or work for hotels. Who will give the inside track, mm. but without it being all you know, kind of airline gossip? They'll say, "No, this is the way you know it is."
0: So, not necessarily in a journalism sense, but in a just a travel sense. Yes. Have you had any, given the places you've been, if mm-hmm. um, you had any particular travel nightmares or disasters?
1: No, I mean I've been lucky. I mean, wow. it, you know, you think. Uh, I mean, it, I, I don't think I've had my luggage lost in about 10 years, which is remarkable because I can tell you nearly everyone in the office has. Yeah, I a mean, law so, of averages yeah, you should have done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know that at the moment I say this, that's gonna happen. I've never been in a plane crash. Um, I know they're very rare, but I've no. never even, I've never been particularly scared on a plane. Um, so that's, you know, felt, I've yeah, I mean, we've had a few go arounds, you know, where they're about to land and then take off again. But yeah. I mean, that's, you know, part of the course. So no one, you know, there's plenty of times I mean, Bruce Chatwin, the, the travel writer, one of his collections was called What Am I Doing Here? Um, there's a few, and I think the point then was to explain why he was there. There's a few times I've said to myself, What am I doing here? But um, normally, you know, it's somewhere new, so there's something new to ex- explore. Typically, like most business travelers, I go to the same places. So I've been to Hong Kong 80 times, I've been mm. to New York 60 times, but those are great cities. Yeah. And I really don't think you tire of them. No. Um, I tire of going there and coming back yeah. um, but I don't tire of being there, it's always a privilege and you know obviously Hong Kong's going through big changes, um, not, not positive changes at the moment but I still can't wait to go back so. and it's yeah. only been a few months.
0: Very good. Now, I'm conscious of time. Right. I'm actually really enjoying this. Uh, obviously, I always enjoy my interviews with my guests, just to be clear for former guests listening. But <laughs> I've always loved, I mean, you know, the reason I read your magazine, I love all this stuff. Thank you. Um, so it's been fascinating. But we do have to end it at some point. So I will end with my standard final question, which is, if you could drink any whiskey mm-hmm. with anyone, dead or alive, what would it be, who would it be, and where would it be?
1: Uh, well, i definitely drink... Uh, drink an Islay malt, because it'd be in the evening, something like a Laphroaig. Um I don't know which rare one, but um, one of those. Um, I think, I mean, the people I read about most are, um, you know, big... I'm not going to do the Churchill thing. Let's try and think of something more interesting. I think it would probably be Henry VIII. Ooh! Ooh! Did he drink whiskey? Was whiskey invented? then? It must have been. But anyway, I'd probably do... Yeah, Henry I think VIII. it was in the
0: days where half yeah. of the bottles killed you, but yeah. still.
1: I'd do Henry VIII, and I'd like the young Henry VIII, before he turned into a psychopath. Um, maybe when he's still <laughs> married you know, the first time. Uh, because I think it's so interesting. The more you hear about him, the more you read Wolf Hall, all of that sort of stuff. He seemed to have this... He was the golden boy. And then when he felt that God was against him, you know, with the inability to have a, a male heir something turned with him and I'd like to meet him the evening that that happened so somewhere like Hampton Court yeah you know alongside the Thames and we'd have a Lefroy. And there uh, I'd try and dissuade him from his path which then led to all sorts of ructions in the church the country and quite a few women having their heads chopped off
0: yeah what an extraordinary answer I think we might have mixed our timelines up a bit but then that's all right if you can drink a whiskey with a dead person you can pull the Lefroy back in time as well uh very good super Tom, that's been absolutely fascinating. Thank you, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much indeed. I love scotch. 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 Yep. scotch. scotch. And don't forget to not just follow us on Twitter and Instagram at US of Dramerica, but also ask us questions and comment and say yep. nice things. And please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. And if the mood takes you, you can leave us a review, as uh, feedback is always welcome. And drink whiskey, slonchivar.